I see the spiritual power level immediately. Come on, you didn't even know you had abundance because you were so disorganized. When you organize your life, like when you actually take the risk, and this is something I'm preaching to myself right now and I want to go home and like tidy up my apartment. It's like the Carl Jung quote that says, until you make the unconscious conscious, you will call it fate. Your outer world is a reflection of your inner world. And it's not like a thing about value. That's not saying I'm good or bad, it just means I feel kind of overwhelmed, don't I? It's all data to respond to. Hi friends. Thank you so much for coming and checking out the Making Spaces podcast, a podcast about making spaces both literally and figuratively for community to happen. I'm Rev Sarah Heath, and I've noticed that we live in a social and political climate that is thriving on making us more and more divided. We need proximity and relationship to break down this division, but our most inclusive spaces are often run down and uninviting. And if we're being completely honest, kind of smell like nursing homes. This podcast hopes to change that. Some weeks we'll be talking to people who make space for others through beautiful design. And some weeks we'll talk to people that make space through their work around making spaces, theologically, emotionally, and spiritually. This week we begin our series on cleaning out closets, both literally and metaphorically. I start the series by talking to Kevin Garcia. He's going to be a regular on our show. Kevin is an incredible speaker writer, podcaster, and an advocate for inclusion. Kevin has taught me so much about making space for people. I hope this conversation helps you rethink closets and why clearing out a closet has the potential to actually change your life. So enjoy and stick around for this week's inspiring quote. You and I have always um, loved working together in some way, Mm -hmm. shape, or form. Mm -hmm. And um, if I ever had a TV show about redesigning spaces for people not just like you know physically but also like emotionally and spiritually and theologically I would want mm-hmm. you on that show all the time so mm-hmm. I am tempted to ask you about each month's topic and then just have your like weighing in as like a fun recurring guest <gasps> I like this idea you know I love talking about what I think <laughs> um, <laughs> one of those things where like I can't even lie like just like I love talking I love talking with my friends about things that are important so this is like all the best of all worlds for me there we go um weekly weekly not weekly monthly or something kind of date ongoing yeah just sort of a like so like yeah I would love that because also I hope my vision for this thing is that eventually communities where people can call in and ask questions like Um, what do I do with this horrible, whatever that has been in my community for so long and I can't get rid of. And I feel like you and I could have some really funny question and answer sessions. Sarah, do you know how brilliant this is? Oh my. (laughs) Okay. Here's the, here's the T of all T's. People love a Q and O question and opinion. (laughs) I because we don't know if we have, we don't know, because like as Nadia Bolsover says, we don't know if we have answers, but we certainly have opinions. Um, right. And I think you are absolutely right. And I also think we bring a more balanced perspective because where I am the, um, you are the velvet hammer where I am the sledgehammer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, velvet, you're more of a velvet glove, if anything. Not a hammer. Yeah. You know you're a velvet glove. I'm a sledgehammer. And, you know, it takes both. It takes all types. Yes. I just worry about people and I want people to feel loved in the process. And even though I think that people's um, like aesthetics really matter and like I get really out of shape around aesthetics. Like mm. I was in a church meeting where I got mad because the room that we were meeting at was sponge painted and I couldn't function Ooh. in the meeting because all I could think is how is this still sponge painted and look at these gorgeous, like the whole room had amazing trim and it was like, like beautiful woodworking. And I was like, if you brought this back to what this room used to look like, it, yeah. this would be like such an incredible space and I would feel inspired in this meeting. But instead, all I can think is like, who let you sponge paint this room? Wow. Barbara. So you, so, exactly. Barbara, <laughs> Linda, and Jesse. <laughs> I'm throwing the girl, that one girl named Jesse, who knew better, but she didn't speak up when she was supposed to, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. How did we get here? Um, so, so, the, you, so would you, oh, go ahead. 
I was going to say, um, the question that I like usually ask people, um, as we like start with the show, if they're like, uh, you're kind of like an expert in all areas, but it'll be fun just to have this for you. Um, where mm-hmm. is your favorite space? Like if, if I were to say, mm-hmm. where is your favorite space? And then why do you love it? And it can be like bedroom. Um, I just did an interview with someone who said their bed is their favorite space. And it was mm-hmm. actually really profound. Why? But, or it could be like a church building or it could be like not mm-hmm. a church building, a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Where is your favorite place, Kevin Garcia? Mm, okay or like one of your favorites i know favorite is a very extreme statement i think um my i think my favorite space right now is ironically my co-working space because i spend a lot of time here but i don't feel tired of it and Mm. um i work in this co-working space and i picked it specifically like over like the we works or like the bigger like chain co-working spaces where it's like very plasticky and it feels very uh doesn't feel warm switchyard's aesthetic is like my favorite thing in the world there's plants everywhere there's tons of light there's always seating the wi-fi is fast um and the coffee is on tap like so it's like perfect um and i like it because it's like i don't feel like i can't work at home but i also don't want to feel like i'm working in an office so this Mm. feels like i am just a bunch of my friends hanging out at the dopest little cafe slot but everyone's there for the same reason like i am going to work and you are going to work and that kind of like shared spirit of kind of like we we know that we're all grinding out here hustling and grinding and at the same time mm-hmm. we also are trying to slow down ironically i don't know it just it feels like a community of like wonderful um like-minded young adults so to speak or just like i don't know it feels like it feels very homey to me i love that yeah, I think uh, I no longer work at my co-working space that I was working at, but I miss it. I miss the people. And, you know, for us, it wasn't, there was a somewhat diverse age group. My concern always like with that is like, am I around different ages? But ours was kind of diverse in age, but not diverse in as far as like, we're here to do the work and be around other people who are doing the work. And then we're like co-creating sometimes together. And Mm -hmm. it's just a really nice like energy and vibe that develops out of those spaces. I feel like. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with like how, what, like I think space can tell you a lot about the culture of a space. Um, And also just like who's hired to work, like who's actually like also hired who works for that company um, Mm -hmm. who runs those spaces. And a lot of like, you know, the WeWorks, at least in my experience in Atlanta, the WeWorks of the world are, you know, still dominated by white folks. And I see the leadership in being intentional about like hiring people of color, people hiring people who are like gender and sexual, sexually diverse or not sexually diverse. Uh, like they're queer. That's what I'm trying to say. Got it. Got it. Um, sexual and gender I, minorities. That's what I was trying to say. I get what you're saying diverse in actual the the word diversity mm. sometimes get used because it's like i have three people that are not of my same yeah. thing yeah it's like we got an old person um, we got one gay person and we got you know my sister but she's you know <laughs> i don't know but yeah i get that <laughs> uh so um the the thing that the first like little topics that we're going to, I want to talk about design obviously, Mm because making spaces for me is about like what, where, where are the places that inspire us most? Um, And I think sometimes the places that Mm -hmm. inspire us most are actually um, not uh, necessarily places of spirituality or faith, but um, some of our most inclusive or diverse spaces or places where I can be around people who are a little different than me, um, just aren't mm-hmm. inspiring spatially. And I think, uh, you know, some of our, it was so funny. I said this to actually one of our mutual friends, Reed and I were talking about this and, um, I said, you know, it's so funny, but like a lot of progressive churches are just ugly as far as like the interior and sh- like he started dying laughing and when he was just like, yes, yes. <laughs> um, and I think that's I mean, the, the, the interesting. The truth. Yeah. What, and it's because we're, we're so focused on doing the work of like actually creating space, maybe emotionally or um, 
maybe creating space for people theologically or whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. But we kind of forget that like, we're not going to draw people in Mm -hmm. um, or keep people in that state of like enjoying the spaces that they're in and around. So the topic that we're going to tackle this month um, on making spaces is closets. Oh yes. Okay. All right. And not just like, so not just like, physical closets because i personally don't believe in labels in churches but um uh, i label everything in every closet and the reason that i do that isn't just because i have ocd but it's also because i absolutely think that when someone opens up a closet they should know what's in there because if they're new to the space or if they want to participate like i'm thinking you know a church closet you have a volunteer opens and it's just a like hot mess They don't know where to start. And there's this sense of, I don't belong here. Mm -hmm. Whereas if it's organized and you know what is what, there is this sense of like, oh, this is still a workable and usable space. But then Mm. there's also the flip side of like closets where we don't allow people to be themselves. So Mm -hmm. my first um, thing we're tackling is closets. Now you, my Mm. friend, when I think, when, (laughs) when I say church closets, what do you think of? Oh my goodness. Uh, well, I'm also, the, the first thing that comes to mind is actually my own uh, church because like we're an old ass building, like Park Avenue Baptist Church where I go uh, is like over, like the building's over a hundred years old. It's a, like, his, it's marked as a historic landmark. Um, so there's like not a whole lot on the outside that can be done as far as uh, we have these someone tried to do a stained glass effect on these like regular ass windows and it looks horrible, but we're not allowed to change it by the law. I'm just like, are you kidding me? We couldn't, we couldn't just like install our own stained glass and like make it prettier Mm. anyways. um, But because the building is old, like there is years and years and years of inherited junk in different spaces and places. So a lot of the work that our church has done is actually in this of just like organizing what do we have here what is still useful and what do we need to get out uh, and then i think whenever i think you know i think that applies to everything it's just like we need to know who's inside our church like you know or like what kinds of attitudes are right. in, uh, these things because uh you know me being a queer person when i uh, the other part i think about with closets is like wait you're uh, queer i no no <laughs> Not me, not me. Wouldn't dream of it. Um, I am, I am delivered. From, um, um, no, not true. Um, very, very, very big old gay. Um, but when I think of closets um, within the church for uh, queer folks, it's like, uh, it's like when you're so far shoved in with shame, it's like we get packed into our own closet and inside the closet with us is shame and fear and doubt. And it's all piled on top of us and we can't even get out of the closet. Um, Mm. So in some ways, like I think it's like the work of the church, like they kind of like, for me, like finding affirming people, finding people who accepted me as I was, not in spite of who I was um, in some ways, like they helped, unpack the closet in some ways so that I could like wiggle around and like breathe and then like I could peek out the door and you know Mm. when I saw it was safe to come out I could do it but like I think what churches do and just when what people do in general when they are uh affirming when they are um inclusive when they are uh when they strive to stand in solidarity with queer people you unpack you, you start helping organize other people's closets like you show them that oh this fear scarf that you've been, you know, kind of like choking yourself with in the closet, you can take that off. You mm. know, you know, this, this really, really bi- like this really tight jacket of religion that you are, uh, you know, squeezing onto your body, even though it's uncomfortable, yeah, you can take that off too. You don't even have to come out, but like, we're going to let you know that it's safe to take these things off and like leave them behind if you want. Yeah. So, I think it's interesting to like actually know, what's in a space because although like I obviously my expertise is in um, church making spaces I think it applies to everything and it also applies to like your own home and um, when our our heads are cluttered and when our spaces are cluttered there is this sense that we can't even fully be ourselves and I'm not talking about like obviously not everyone has to have the same level of everything needs to have a place that I have Mm -hmm. but 
I think we forget that part of hospitality is Mm-hmm. making spaces in our space so that other people can come. I remember my friends and I, when we were um, all looking for our husbands, I don't have one. They all do. Um, they were reading this book called, uh, Oh shoot, calling in the one. And in it, there was this section that made me die laughing back in the day. But now um, I actually think makes sense, but it said you should leave uh, drawers in your home empty <gasps> with okay, the intention yes of having space for people, for someone to come into your life and put things in. Oh my God, I love that. Right? Um, You should not take up the entire closet because what it says is there's no space for someone else to come into this closet. But if it's so cluttered, and if we're so cluttered, Mm -hmm. the other person becomes an inconvenience when entering into our space. And I think that applies for romantic relationships and all that sort of stuff. But I also think it applies for like community centers or whatever yes. it might be. And then there's also uh-huh. the idea that you are mentally preparing for someone else and for other people. Mm-hmm. There's an assumption. It's like leaving an extra table or leaving an extra chair at a table. Like there's an assumption that someone will show up. Yeah. And I think that when we help other people come out of the closets it's always the intention of like okay well what other what are other things are we throwing in the closet because closets aren't just for lgbtqia i mean think people are closeted about a lot of things um yeah and even our own like fear of uh encountering people that strongly believe in the opposite opinion sometimes makes us stay closeted where we only hang out with people who think like us so yeah it's kind of like getting your own stuff in order so you can encounter other people. Yeah. So you can like welcome them into, you know, your own, your own world. It's, it's so, it's interesting to me how uh, I think about like, you know, how so many of us uh, in these circles are having like these spiritual and religious awakenings uh, with each other. Like sometimes like you'll go to that one event and it's just like, Oh my gosh, my life has changed forever. Um, and then as soon as we get back home, it's like, I can't talk about this with anyone, mm. you know, or it's like, you know, I'm having, you know, I want to change jobs or I want to like go in a new direction in my life. I want to like, I want to do something meaningful. Um, but we're so scared that like someone's going to see it and say, that's not, you should leave that in the closet. That's not what you, you can't wear that in public, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the, the idea of like labeling things, whatever it might be. It's like once something has a name, it has more or less power. It, it has the appropriate amount of power, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes when we don't mm. label something for what it is, yeah. um, you know, and then let's even talk about like the idea of wasted because we have six of one thing because we've never organized the closet to know that we already have an abundance of something. And I think that includes people as well. Come on. I see the spiritual spiritual parallel immediately. Come on. You didn't even know you had abundance because you were so disorganized. Oh, okay. Talk more about that. Well, like you, like you, that literally is what you just said. Like when you organize your life, like when you actually take the risk, and this is something I'm preaching to myself right now. And I want to go home and like tidy up my apartment. But um, it is true that just like, um, I'm a big fan of A Course in Miracles and something Course in Miracles says is you, um, you accomplish so little because you are so undisciplined in your mind and you are far too lenient with uh, wayward thoughts. And what yeah. it means by that is, is that you, the reason you accomplish so little is because you are so distracted by all the thoughts running around in your head. It's like the Carl Jung quote that says, uh, until you make the unconscious conscious, you will call it fate. Whoa. And so, see, come okay. on now. And so, like, okay. the work of excavating our closets, so to speak, or like organizing our lives, both in the physical sense around, like, you know, things we have, but also just like your outer world is a reflection of your inner world. That's just motherfucking fact. I don't know what to, what to tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if you're. And it's not like a, a, a thing about value. It's not saying you're good or bad. Like if you, if like right now my apartment is kind of a wreck because I've been traveling for two days and like I needed to do some dishes. Um, that's not saying I'm good or bad. It just means 
I feel kind of overwhelmed, don't I? It's, oh. it's, it's data. Yes. It's all cool. data to respond to. Okay, so that's one of my favorite things about our friendship. Um, mm. I've got a lot of favorite things about our friendship, but um, you always say to me, because I want to like, I want to label something right away, which <laughs> you take that metaphorically, physically, whatever. I want to label things right away. And you're always the one who says, it's data. Yes, you can look at it and see what it is, but don't label it good or bad yet. It's just data. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And until we know what we're really dealing with, and oftentimes closets that are um, like slammed at church, for instance, in my mm-hmm. community space that I um, have had, like I, we pulled a bunch of stuff out and it took me a while to do that because what I realized is that I didn't feel like I had the power to say we keep or get rid of things but i think Mm -hmm. other people didn't want to pull things out because they were afraid of losing things and they'd already lost so much because we had Mm -hmm. had a bunch of buildings torn down and so what we were left with it was like i just want to hold on to it but you don't actually know what you're holding on to yeah it's like it's like we we create all these sacred relics for ourselves, um Mm. and it's like we hold on to these things that are actually no longer serving it which is like it's like if you're if tradition is there for the sake of tradition, it's not helpful. Like, it's like, it's just like, it's, it, uh, the question then becomes, what is valuable to me? And, you know, how do I, like, how do I know? And also, what is value less? You know, mm. it's, it's like, if, you know, why, it's like, why are we holding on to, like, you know, the white baby Jesus nativity scene if, like, we updated our nativity scene years ago? To reflect the fact that Jesus was brown, you know, or like, oh yeah, there's that for sure. And then there's the beauty of we don't have to always buy the newest and latest and greatest thing. Or like, there might be some amazing things that we have had covered up. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we found this beautiful unity candle in our closet that literally I found out if you use ketchup, you can clean a unity candle. Um, if it's brass, if you use ketchup. Ketchup. I used ketchup. I, I got all this really expensive brass cleaner and it didn't work. And then I read on some online forum that you could use ketchup. So th- here's this beautiful like unity candle from the twenties and I cleaned it and I screwed everything back together because it'd been like water damage from bring- being in that closet so long. But when mm-hmm. I organized the closet, I found it in there. And one of the decisions I made was like, if you don't fix this this week, then you're not going to, you know, you're not going to use it. And I, uh, re you know tooled it up with some ketchup and whatnot and screwed everything back in really tight and what i discovered is like it is this beautiful symbolic thing that can be used in weddings and when i brought it out and tidied it up the assumption then became is that we'll do more weddings in this space right like it's making the item is making a a, like a statement about what you're hoping preparing will happen in a space It's a prophetic, yes. one would say it is a prophetic gesture of saying like, Ooh. you know, we're bringing this unity candle out because like, this is what we want to make space for. This is what we want to do here. This is what we want to celebrate here. Um, and that's the same thing with so many other things too. Is like, you know, who are you setting the table for? You know, is, is who you're going to call in. And so if, uh, and, and, or even like in our spaces, like, uh, I heard like Jordan Bach, uh, who is a, a spiritual coach, um, said in a, a video one time, he said, you know, if you are like trying to welcome love into your house and maybe even welcome sex into your life, is your bedroom clean? Ooh, I because, do look like, at made beds. I just need you guys to know. Um, not necessarily meaning that I'm going to try to sleep with ooh. you. That was a real awkward way of saying that because you know me. I'm, I'm a nun. But um, no, you're I do, not. Like... I rebuke that in Jesus name. <laughs> You are not a nun. You are a beautiful, powerful, sexual creature, as oh, we all Lord. are. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, I when I am, you know, at someone's home, the the last guy that I dated, like, I got to tell you, his closet was like porn to me. It was so Ooh. organized. His like, he makes his bed on the daily, and it was to me felt like you are a grown ass adult. Look oh, at you. Isn't it nice? Let me tell and you it what. it felt like our lives could blend together. And I'm not because I need you to be perfect, but because clearly like we value the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt like you were capable of managing 
even a closet, it feels like you're capable of managing a life. And I think that's the, you know, yeah. So what did he say? So he said, is your bedroom messy? Oh, is your bedroom messy? And just like, it's like, is your bed made? And I think that's the thing is like, again, it's the, it's the whole thing, just like your outer world reflects your inner world. Um, and it can be real, real tricky to like, cause like there, I'll tell you what, like, I, I, I don't make my bed every day. And like, I also know that like, there's a part of me that's like, uh, my word of the year or whatever they call it. Like, <laughs> like I hate, like, I hate being a cliche, but in so many ways I am, you know, <laughs> and I'm fine with it most of the time. But my word of the year is commit. That's my word. No fucking way. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. I literally, uh, the New Year's, uh, the day before New Year's, I, I'm in a group for women who are entrepreneurs called the Yellow Collective. Mm-hmm. And the um, person who runs that, who's incredible and actually already interviewed for a show later on, but um, I, she posed the question, like, what's your word for the year? And mine was commit. Uh, it came up in like so many different of like posts and um, in my readings for myself. Like I was just, I kept hearing the word commit. I'm like, fine, okay. What is it to commit to my work and my path and all that shit. So, man, wow, good for us. Um, <laughs> but one of my commitments is like, I want to commit to a surge of sense. I want to commit to my adulthood. And mm. for me, being an adult is really just like, am I going to do everything I can to make sure I'm taking care of myself? And that includes like trying, to, you know, my uh, my physical health, like making sure that like I'm 30 you've now. You've been killing like, lately. You've been killing lately. Thank you so much. Um, like, I can't have as much dairy as I want to now because my body's not working with it. And, like, I can't have as many spicy foods as I want to. And I'm like, oh, my God, is it starting early? Is this what 30 is? Oh, but it's honey. Like, You'll it's step. Just, You'll wait till you're my age. <laughs> I don't want to. I mean, I can't wait till that. Let's be honest. I really can't wait to be old and delightful because I'm old and delightful. Right. My mama always told me I was born at 40. You know. <laughs> that makes sense to me you you're, you're like a strange uh combination of like young and crazy and old soul oh, it is definitely something like this is gonna sound so stupid i was going over my astrological chart recently and like learning about like my planets and shit. um but like it really like apparently according to like my chart it suggests that like you have an old you probably have an old soul and like you so do they reuse up- them what do you mean reuse them? It's an old soul. That was a joke. Get it? An old what? soul. No, but it's, it's a same soul, different body. Who knows? How many <laughs> times have we done this? Oh, no. Then people but, are going to be like, I thought she was a pastor. I don't actually believe in reincarnation. But <laughs> I think um, that it's fascinating to me how much our our whole lives are connected. Mm-hmm. Like, so our our physical being our space that we're in, um, everything is super connected and whether we're aware of it or not. And sometimes changing one positively changes the other. And you start to notice these things. And I think that happens for communities too. The reason why, like, I think it's important to start doing things like cleaning out closets, getting honest about your space, whether it be like getting honest about like, Hey, we're not fully inclusive yet. Mm -hmm. So, Let's be honest about that. Instead of throwing things into the closet and being like, don't ask, don't tell, like, let's not make any shifts. Um, yeah. I, don't I take think... anything out. Don't try to put any, give anything away. Right. Don't look at that thing because if we look at that thing, we're going to have to talk about our uncomfortable past. Right. Um, and there's just this really interesting thing that happens when you start to take things out and there is resistance. Trust me. Oh, there's resistance. Mm. But when yes. you move through that, there's this beautiful sense of like shared space and continuing to make space for more things and yeah. like I you know just because I have organized closets doesn't mean and I, I also have a drunk junk drawer by the way um but just because mm-hmm. I have like organized closets it doesn't mean that I don't make other purchases I'm just making statements about what I'm going to keep most and I think when we when we do that with people as well when we're honest about okay this is this is who's missing from this. We have mm-hmm. an opportunity to have more of this or when we're honest about, Oh wow, we have a lot of this. Um, mm-hmm. 
And sometimes it's actually like amazing. Like, ah, I've never noticed that we have a lot of artists or whatever it might be. Um, but I think this idea of l- taking things out to really look at what they are is incredible and it's painful and it's important work and it it never finishes right like once you clean a closet and everything has a place you still have to like constantly go back you know I've cleaned out my wardrobe my outfits how many times but I still need to do it at least once or twice a year or I just it gets more and more and more and I think that's what happens in our communities that's what happens Mm -hmm. in our hearts Mm -hmm. we just have to like constantly be making space Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so I'm getting my master's in practical theology, and practical theology, I would say, is the constant dance between performance and critique. Mm. Um, it's like the constant motion of like, I'm going to engage deeply in this thing, and then I'm going to look, what happened? How did it? How did we do? Who was there? Who was affected? Uh, did it make us? Did it bring? What did? What did it produce for me? Um, and then it's the same thing with all these other things. It's just like perform and critique or like um, the our friends in recovery in the 12 step program one of the 12 steps is making a moral inventory of your life of the things that are actually valuable to you and then asking the question of like have I been giving myself to things that are valueless and so for the person in recovery it'd be like drugs and alcohol for some for, for us it's just like have I been putting all of my faith in you know just mere tradition or have I been putting my faith in this system without questioning what's actually inside the system. Um, have I put right. faith in, uh, you know, do I have more faith in disaster because it's the only thing I've ever known or do I have more faith that a miracle could occur? Whew. Ooh. Well, that's, I, uh, in the show as I was like thinking through all this, cause all of this came from me evaluating what all of my work is and realizing yes. like all the work I do, whether it's, designing a space or meeting with people. I'm always constantly trying to make space for more people to be there and for more, um, more experiences for more transformation for all those sort of things. And so I I realized, but I would never have realized that if I had not had a friend who said, you know, Mm -hmm. I was meeting with, um, our friends, Bradley Grinnan and Mike McCarg have this thing that, that were helping people launch their brands. And they asked me like, what, what is all your work about? And I was like, what do you mean? And they don't make sense. It's all over the place. But there was one thread that ran through all of it. And that was yeah. making spaces. And I never would have done that if someone hadn't asked me to clean out that closet. Hey, you know, and mm. look at it and look at everything and not be afraid to say, well, I'm a pastor. Well, I'm not just a pastor. I also do all these things. And they all seem to have one theme and one way of looking at it. And I think that's the beauty of finding out what's really in there. Sometimes we're afraid to do it, but it's, it's important. And we don't, you know, just keeping going, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times things don't get done because it's like, okay, just throw it in, the, throw it in there, right? Like we got to clean up quick, um, mm-hmm. throw it in there. But the truth is, yeah. is if we're just like throwing it in the closet, we never expect those people to get to a point of intimacy that they would ever open that closet, mm-hmm. right? And so we're yeah. really, like if we're church people and we just, or a community or whatever you are, you're a coffee shop, whatever it might be, if you're just like, cluttering spaces that people don't see you're never like expecting to invite them into the kind of like commitment or vulnerability or whatever that would make them part of the community where they would see in those spaces something that just sparked in my head was um it's like i wouldn't have known to do that if someone didn't tell me to do it just like and I think that is so many humans in the world or at least like I will say like something I notice the 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 common pain point I see among so many people is um I I don't know why I believe what I do or I don't know why I keep doing these same things over and over again it's almost like they, they feel trapped in like a singular like they just they feel trapped on the surface level because all they can feel is the surface level because they are either haven't been told that they can go deeper into it that there's something behind this or under this mm. and so the thing about unpacking everything and i think also doing it with other people with good friends with um you know whether that be like in person or you're like you're connecting with 
the deconstruction community on the internet. And by deconstruction, I mean like faith deconstruction or um, doing it with other people and being able to take this thing out. Like I know for me, like as I've unpacked like the story of my own closet, it's like there are shame points that I have grown in there that I mm. did not want to look at and did not want to deal with. And it was buried underneath all this other stuff that I couldn't. And then it's like, I couldn't get to this thing. I'll, I'll use my uh, shame around my body, for example. Mm. Um, you know that I have been on this, like you and me have been friends for a long time. And you know that me and my relationship with the gym is fraught because mm. my anxiety around my body is so high. Um, and I didn't really understand why I've been doing the mindfulness work and I've been like trying to love myself and like, you know, like you're worthy and all that. Shit. Um, and I've been in therapy for two years. I have been doing my, my shadow work and really exploring why, you know what? And I, I finally got down to it. I just asked my body, I was like, why are you so scared of this? Um, and I got an answer and it was just like, it's because I don't want to be like him was what my body said. And what he meant by that was like, I don't want to be like dad. I don't want to be like the man who hurt us because mm. um, I don't want to hurt other people. And it was like, oh, that's, you're afraid of your dad still. You still feel shame about these spaces where like you went and worked out with your dad and he made you feel like shit because you were a husky kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's never, it's always a thing behind the thing. It's the thing underneath the thing in the closet. And you might be surprised about what it is and pre- mm-hmm. pleasantly or you know, there's some shame in there and, um, the invitation into depth and relationship and vulnerability Mm. with yourself and the world. And, um, it, it isn't helpful just to throw things in a closet. And I think communities do that Mm. when they say, we're just not going to talk about these things. Right. Um, but then that's not an actual vulnerable and open and honest space. Like I don't need you to be where I am but I need to at least be able to talk about that in this space, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people will, uh, we have, we live under this illusion that other people need to understand us. Right. And it's like, if people don't understand me, they're going to reject me. I'm just like, well, of course people are going to reject you, but not everyone's going to reject you. No. That's the lie we tell ourselves. We think that there's no one out there in the world who has ever no one has had suffering quite like mine and true no one has suffering quite like you and i bet someone out there has felt similarly and so what would it be like for 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 us to open that up well i think that's why i'm so passionate about intergenerational worship spaces Mm -hmm. intergenerational community um because i think one of the you know oftentimes people want to say millennials and those below are very self focus but there's also like a if you want to talk about like having existential dread all the time if you think the age that you are is the age that everyone else is and everyone else is (laughs) killing it um it is you you don't have the same luxury that we've had in generations past when we were surrounded by elders and folks who could be around us or say yeah that's your experience right now but that's not a forever experience Mm -hmm. and in the same way for younger folk to you know, be able to sort of like show us new things or whatever it might be. I think there is this, like, I don't know, Mm -hmm. this beautiful sense of like, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be this way, or this is not the way that it will forever be or whatever it might be there that can only happen when we're in proximity and real relationship. Mm -hmm. 100% Sarah Hees. Ding, 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 ding. And that is so hard because, um, it's it, like you said, like it really is a luxury um, in some ways, because like depending on social location, access to a space like that is rare, if non-existent sometimes, you know. And this is also one of the reasons why I feel personally like I want to stick around in some kind of spiritual community. I don't know what that's going to look like going forward in the future. Like I like my church right now. Um, but like, you know, say I move somewhere and. I just don't find a quote unquote church. I feel like the way I want to like create community in my life is it's still going to be intergenerational just because I think that's what I need. I, or at least like I, cause having mentors in my life has been a huge help because my mentors have 20, 25 years on me mm-hmm. and they have been able to remind me to take a deep breath and say, Hey, like 
yes, it's a shit show and everything is scary right now and you can do it. Yeah. And even if you don't, um, you know, I sat today with a former uh, pastor and had to admit like there's a part of my ministry that's not going well and it's going really poorly actually. Mm-hmm. And I, my entire life have thought I had to win in every, mm-hmm. every sphere. And, uh, this person is very hard driving and hard thinking and all this sort of stuff. And as I'm sharing my story, he says, Sarah, I've failed so many times and mm-hmm. kept going and let's like pay attention to the people whose lives have been changed. And I was like, yeah, but they're not here. Like he mentioned all these people and I was like, yeah, but they're not here anymore or whatever it might be, or they're not participating in it anymore. And he goes, that doesn't change that their lives were changed. And I think, come on, I know again, but it's the idea of like, are we willing to put ourselves in proximity and relationship with people who Mm -hmm. are different than us? Cause let me tell you, him and I think differently about so much stuff, but Mm -hmm he is teaching me and I am teaching him. And I think you're, you're tapping into something that so many of us need and want, which is people along the journey. Mm-hmm. And we have to be careful because our minds try to bring us around people who are similar to us all the time. And while mm-hmm. I think it's important to have that in your, in your group of folks and to not have people that are going to throw you back in the closet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're the ability to make a brave space or to take things out and say, do we want this? Mm-hmm. Can we, you know, can we include this in who and what we are is like, it's life changing. Mm-hmm. I think it's my, my thing, like any relationship, I, I, I ask the following question is like being in proximity to this person. Um, this is advice that we got from, I got from one of my friends who got it from our professor, Dr. Angie Hong. And she says, before she says yes to anything, um, she says, is this going to make me a crotchety bitch? You know, <laughs> and I, w- I would go on to say, like, is this going to make me feel like I'm on the defense all the time? Is this going to make me feel like I have to fix them all the time? Because relationships have to be, for me, need to be based in equity. Like, I don't need anything from you. You don't need anything from me. We enjoy one another and choose to engage with one another because it brings us mutual benefit. Um, and you know, relationships ebb and flow, right? You know, sometimes you're going to be pouring a little more out. Sometimes they're going to be pouring a little more into you as long as reciprocity is there. But like, I don't want to educate people, you know, I don't want to have to sit there and like epistemologically defend myself all the time. And I think that's like being, it's very hard for me to be in relation. I want to be in relationships of radical difference in many ways with the caveat of if your difference of opinion results in my oppression, I'm not really interested in discussing. I'm not going to deal with that. Like I can't energetically, you know? And then there's people like me who, yeah, who can stand in that gap. And I think that's, that's the labeling part, right? That's the part of like looking at what really is around and Mm -hmm. being honest about it because it doesn't make it any less it doesn't make it not exist just because you threw it in the closet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, Ooh, that's the hope. Quote that. It what? just because you, it doesn't just because you threw it in the closet doesn't mean it doesn't exist anymore. I know. Okay. Well, that out, of sight, out, of, out of sight, out of mind is not a real thing. Not at all. You eventually pay the price for it. It is an ed- energetic thing, right? Yeah. It's listen, just like, it's like credit. Like they come, it comes for you. If you don't pay back what you what you charged on your energetic, emotional, spiritual credit card, you don't pay. Basically, if you don't pay attention to those yes. things, interest interest adds up, baby. And it isn't sure it and isn't it interesting how we unpack it? Ooh, come on, Ooh. full circle. <laughs> well, I am so glad that you and I got to talk about clauses. And so I want to. I think it would be so fun. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it is incredible to me how our conversations go from super deep to like not as deep. <laughs> um, you mean like really, really fun, flirty, and um, functional? Yes, but it does. It all matters. So the last question I'm going to ask you, hmm. and you have five minutes to answer. No, you can answer it as long as you need to. But the question is, hmm. what is one space or what is one thing? Sorry, what is one thing that 
people can do today mm. to start opening their metaphorical or actual mm. spaces or closets. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's do the, uh, let's do the actual closets first. Cause okay. that feels like just a practical thing. Um, I am a belie- I'm a believer in like the Marie Kondo method. Mm-hmm. I, uh, what Marie Kondo says is like when you're like working on like your clothes or like a closet or something like that, take, this is going to sound crazy and it will take a few hours probably. And maybe, so maybe you don't do it today. Maybe you make a plan for this weekend. Um, but make, but take everything out of your closet and sort through it, find out what you want. And honestly, pick up your items. Does it spark joy? And then if mm. it does, keep it. Don't even question it. If, mm. Do you like it? You keep it. Go ahead. And then if it doesn't, throw it over there. And then I also like say, like, do it twice. Like, go through your clothes twice if possible. Uh, oh, just yeah. because sometimes it helps. Like, once you get going and realizing what you don't really need or don't even, even what you really don't want, um, it helps the second time to go through. You'd be surprised at how Oh, honey, I would love to see go. what's in your crazy closet. Girl, your outfits. Oh my God. I have like a couple different wigs. I've got a couple of different dresses. I have things I need to return to Amazon that didn't fit because uh, even though I am a biological woman, um, let's just say that the extra large on Amazon still didn't fit me. Oh. It was, it was built for a, a, a more petite woman. There you go. You know? um, so that's done on the practical level. Marie Kondo, your closet. My, my metaphorical closet thing is, um, is just one thing and that's like the rule is is the just one thing yeah is that like if there is something that you know that you need to address in your life the thing that has been haunting you holding every head that you, and you know that if you would just send the text have the conversation make the phone call or maybe it's your one thing is like i need to pick up my room or i need to call this person or i need to you know uh, I don't know. I need to f-ing remember to take a shower and take care of myself. Um, whatever that one thing is, do that and then celebrate it. Like celebrate it in like, you know, if you like, don't give yourself like an $80 massage just because you cleaned your bathroom. I mean like, you know, proportionally, unless you're rolling in dough, like ro- good, do you. But I think by breaking down like large lists of like, oh, I have so much to do. I have so much in my closet to sort through. It's like, no, you just need to f- get that one thing done. Do the one thing. Do the one thing. And then after that, you can do the next one thing. And then maybe you'll do two things. You never know. Get wild with it. I love Um, it. And then don't beat yourself up when you can't do any more. Like sometimes for those of us who like deal with anxiety and depression, who like are victims of trauma or all the things that we're healing from, uh, sometimes you only have the strength to get that one thing done. And that's okay. And then I will also tell you the number of times that I have been delightfully surprised that when I give myself, when I say, when I commit to doing that just one thing, I have a willingness to continue to do a little bit more and sometimes a little bit more. Um, My friends in recovery always say, are you willing to take 1% of the responsibility for your recovery? Just 1%, And so I think about the same thing with like my work. I'm like, am I willing today to take 1% of the responsibility for my own healing? And, you know, sometimes that looks like sending the email or to making the call or even doing something as basic as cleaning up my own space, which is my afternoon task, ironically. Um, I'm telling you, that's my hope. I know. OK, I know the like the ironic nature of creating a podcast <laughs> about design that is like words. But mm. my and it's not just design, obviously. It's designing spaces metaphorically, physically. But mm. my hope is that people will like listen to this while they're cleaning their ha- house or running a task. Because you get inspired. Yeah. I used to watch Hoarders when I was cleaning my house. Um, because it would like remind me of like, oh, you can get there. Um, mm. And I think there, it's just you want to inspire people to like mm-hmm. take on the thing. And it's funny how that thing that you do together, the thing I've found is more people want to be involved when your closets are cleaned. You know, it's easier to do work around the church when I know that that's where all the gardening supplies are and Mm -hmm. they're in order, which tells me they care about this, which means they probably care about me. Um, It Mm -hmm. also means there's no sacred closet that I can't go into or, um, 
you know, and I think that's the, that's the hope is that we help people create the thing that they need most and that they, mm-hmm. yeah, they do the one task that they need to do and then have graciousness with themselves and those mm-hmm. around them recognizing like there's a reason why we have to do our tasks all the time because life happens mm-hmm. and, um, mm-hmm. shifts happen and shifts happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the what? best part is, is that it's never too late to start. Oh, Hey, I love you. I'm so glad I get to talk to you. This is going to be fun, I think. I think so, too. All right. Love you. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this journey of making spaces. I hope you're challenged to ask yourself, what is one thing you can do today to make room for someone else? Thank you so much to my guest, Kevin Garcia. Check out where to find Kevin and Kevin's new book, Bad Theology Kills, in the show notes. I can't wait to share with you next week's practical steps to think through clearing out closets. And now for this week's quote. First, a disclaimer. I am a quote hoarder and I may not always give the correct credit. So feel free to comment and let me know if I got it wrong. But I love quotes and late at night when I can't sleep, I'm either looking up Airstream plans or I'm looking at quotes. So I want to share those with you. And here is our first quote as we start this series on closets. He who buys what he does not need steals from himself. The internet says that this is a Swedish proverb. Making Spaces is created by me, Sarah Heath, and edited by Stephen Burnett from the Cult Podcast. Make sure that you check him out. Our introduction music is Can It Be Done by Ari via Epidemic Sound, and attention to detail is always done by Katie Richardson. Please do us a favor and subscribe on whatever way it is that you listen to podcasts, whether that's Anchor, Spotify, Google, Apple, whatever way that you listen to this podcast, it would be great if you would subscribe. And also if you could leave us a rating, that is so helpful for us to find new listeners. So thank you for listening. And I hope that you're making space for other people.